All right, everybody. Welcome back to Daily DVR Does True Detective, a podcast brought to you by the DVR Podcast Network. Check us out at dvrpodcast.com. And hey, if you love this podcast, we are independent podcasters. I'm a stay-at-home dad. Heath is an actor. We're doing our thing. We're making these pods. Become a patron. Support us. Help us pay the bills. It's uh, patreon.com slash DVR. You get to join the crew. We've got tons of other pods. A reminder, I've noticed a lot of people joining our Facebook group at Daily DVR, a TV and film podcast. Just look up Daily DVR on Facebook and you'll find us. And I asked the question, what's your favorite TV show and movie? And uh, by the way, Solo's with me too. So how you doing, Solo? Hello. I didn't realize I was here. <laughs> I thought I was still in the night country. Ah, uh, yeah, oh. you're here with me. But um, I, you'd like to know this, buddy. A lot of people mentioned two shows, True Detective and Mindhunter. And actually, just today, we had a new person join, and they said, my two favorite shows are Mindhunter, True Detective. Well, guess what? We covered Mindhunter. So if you're a Mindhunter fan, look us up. We're like, there's only like two podcasts that ever covered every episode of Mindhunter, and we're one of them. And uh, check us out. I thought you were saying we're both both of them. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say we're the best, but I, I like those guys. They did a very good job. I think yeah. they did more of a serial killer vibe, and we did more of a it's a TV show literary dive in. You know what I mean? I think. I listened to right. a couple of their pods and they, I think they were a bit more interested in the serial killer aspect than we were, even though we're as serial killers ourselves, we're very interested. And, um, yeah. And I, so. I like shoes and doing weird things, <laughs> but you know, that's, that's for another pod. Yes. Well, the mine hunter pod, <laughs> that is that. So check that out. We appreciate all the downloads. We got a couple reviews. We appreciate that too. Let's jump into it. We are on episode three. And by the way, these episodes do not have names. It is part one, part two, part three, up to part six. So this is part three, again, written and directed by our showrunner, Issa Lopez. Um, wow. We have been flirting with the supernatural a little bit more than flirting on this show. But I think at this point in time, it's safe to say that we got to accept the supernatural elements of this show. What do you think, Solo? Because this episode was heavy with them. I loved it. It was very supernaturalific. Yes, it really, uh, and I think Andy Greenwald on The Watch mentioned it's kind of a bridge to the what's going to happen next. And I kind of look at it that way because the first two were, you know, we're learning about the characters. We're learning about, Every everyone in this space, what's going on, the mysteries, the murders, and now they hit us over the head with potential, whether it's supernatural, spirit world, they're kind of the same, are they different? They really, like, I'm glad they didn't hit us over the head with it, and like, the, well, I guess you could say they did in the first scene with the caribou uh, jumping yeah. off, but you know what I mean? Like, it, it it was hinted at, and this week they went balls out and a lot of it too i'm assuming and how do you feel about it are we to i know people will wonder it's 30 days a night and you know i look at our world axel and it's light and dark it's 
light during the day, it's dark at night. And people thrive in both. Maybe during the day, some people thrive at night. But when you got darkness the whole time, you know, certain people, no problem with it. I think me and you would be great in 30 days of dark. We'd have a good time out there in Ennis. But you start, it could play tricks on you. And like the like the vending guy said, you know, you know, yeah. we see things. We see dead people. Now, are we to assume as a viewer that everything Navarro's seeing is happening? Or could it be her mind? That's where I, I'm not fully given over to the supernatural just yet because it's only, it seems to be only one person seeing it versus a group aside from, of course, the frozen, <laughs> but no one saw it that we know of um, happen. The deaths happen Lund, but we'll get to him, but he's all screwed up. So are you a hundred percent in supernatural or are you like, well, it could be the darkness playing with unstable minds. I think it can be both at once and that's okay. And I think that that is the, I think the best way to describe it is last week um, when we learned about Ennis being a place where a thinny, like Stephen King would say in the dark tower, where the, the, the line between those two is thin. So I think, I mean, look, we get a scene where Navarro hears Danvers' dead son calling, and right, it's calling out to her, and and maybe if he sees him, I don't know if that's something she saw or we saw. It was a weird shot, but I mean, how are how, how is she even supposed to process these things? You know, like the guy right. waking up and saying she's away. You know, like I mean, this is I I don't know. Is it possible still after all this supernatural for us to be skeptics in some way and say this is going to be explained by a bacteria that was dredged up, a virus, something in the water, uh, the coal mining people, poisoning people, psychological effects of the night? It could be, but what I'm going, I'm just, I'm going to kind of ride it out as we watch it. And most of my thoughts and theories kind of bridge the gap between the two. Um, like you were saying, like Andy Greenwald said, I think that's a good way of looking at it where in the end, I think a, there will be a human culprit for what happened to Annie. Um, and what, and, but I'm not so sure there's a human culprit in what happened to the men at this station, right? Because we have two different murder right. mysteries here. And it doesn't necessarily mean that they were committed. One may have been retribution for the other. They may be they may be tangentially um connected or they may be the same person. We don't know. Yeah, and and that's the great thing. And I think I'm in your camp as well. I am convinced there could be supernatural things at work, but I'm not fully there yet because, and that's one thing why I love shows like true detective is I'm, I'm I know we podcast about it and, and you know, we have to kind of come up with 
our views and what, but I'm okay with letting it happen as we get the evidence. And, you know, granted you see what Navarro goes through. I mean, and what she's seen just in this episode alone. And I'm almost like, my gosh, you know, how, how is it not supernatural? But then you see her flashbacks, you know, in the war and in a different place and hitting her head. So you're like, what are the, what are they doing here? And I, I like the fact that we're, it's un, a little unstable and I, you know, I'm, I'm on a rocky boat right now because I don't know what to believe. And I try not to, I listen to a little bit of the companion pod, the HBO pod where Issa Lopez talks and Jodie Foster is on there and Kaylee Reese. But I, I, I listen to a little bit. I try not to, because I know there's some people who love to read every interview and ev- I like when you do it, you kind of shield me from that. And you kind of give me things when we start talking <laughs> about something, you confirm it maybe, but you don't go out there and be like, well, Issa Lop- uh, Lopez said this, so it has to be that, you know what I mean? Like, I don't like going down that rabbit hole because I like to go through it once on my own, talk to you, you know, talk to our viewers, our listeners, you know, our, our fan group, our listener group. And, and people in the community, but I don't go on Reddit and go deep dive because I don't know what's a spoiler, what's not. I don't even know how spoilers are done nowadays, if they're easy, obtainable. So I try to just stay in Ennis and what I see is what I report on um, because then it can get really confusing and I think it can skew our organic thoughts yeah. because that's what me and you normally do when we podcast. We We take what's there that we just saw and talk about it. And it's more fun to me. And then you can go back. I like to go back. Like now I just rewatched seasons one and two of true detective just finished season one this past weekend, did two before. And I got some things later on the pod to talk about, but then I went back and I'm like, listen to ball moves podcast on season one, you know, and it was, it's interesting going back and listening. And I like, uh, doing that. And they do a thing where, cause they, they did it like a, I want to say a six months or a year later. So they pretended it was new for them. And then after each episode, they go and point out fan theories that were on the web at that time. I like going it, doing it retrospectively, but you're really good at weeding it out and be like, okay, I'm not going to read that. Me. I, I, I just stay away. Cause I'll go down a rabbit hole. And then a week later, I'll be like, dude, I read every spoiler and every, <laughs> and I don't want to do that. So yeah, it's a it's a that's another uh, thinny. That's another fine line. I um, I've noticed actually. I did listen to the a little bit of the Ringer. Um, I guess Prestige with Joanna Robinson and uh, another dude. I didn't remember Rob Mahoney. I think okay, the Rob Mahoney. Maybe it is. Um, good Irishman. I think it is. But she kind of went cool. out of the way to be like. We haven't seen the next episode. Our theories are not based <laughs> yeah. on spoilers. I was like, you've learned something from your Game of Thrones times when you knew everything that was going to happen. Um, yeah. But uh, so I, I guess people are trying not because I like that when a podcast says that. And that's how we are. We're just kind of going in. And I read a little bit here and there. Um, but generally a lot, what I get is from our Facebook group and people having theories and just watching it again and thinking about it. Um, but it is, it's more, it is more fun with something like this where there isn't a book, uh, 
or you know what I mean? Like where people don't know what's going to happen. And I think this is as far as I think critics, I don't think critics got past this episode. So I don't, I don't know that they saw the whole thing. So that's, that's good to know too. Yeah. Um, all right, well, let's get into a little bit, I guess, it is kind of interesting to start at the start with this one because we get our longest look at Annie herself, who we have been talking about for two episodes, who we saw a bit of a flashback, I think, in episode one, and we saw the obviously her body. Um, but here we get um, Navarro coming to arrest her for protesting or uh, i think or, yeah trespassing and yes. destruction of private yep. property yeah and and at the mining facility and she finds out that she's running like a birthing center to help in, uh, the women in in their uh in their town there and navarro ends up kind of getting involved and helping and it was interesting too that the baby is seemingly born stillborn but then they give it some time, right? They give the love and the and the energy or whatever, and then the baby is all of a sudden crying, and they're all crying and happy. And it was a it was a really interesting scene for me. I think it was it was very well acted, well shot. I always get scared. I know a lot of women have those water b- births, but I'm always like, is the baby going to drown? And then I remember that it's like yeah. in, in amniotic fluid inside the mom. Yeah. But, um. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I look to my wife, and honestly, we've been on a run watching shows that have births in them. Oh yeah. I mean, House of the Drag. There's been yeah. so many, and I'm like, at least they didn't show it. <laughs> I was yeah. like, not now. Come on, give us one show. Yeah. I, I mean, I know it's a beautiful thing, but on TV, it can go either way. Yes, they. But, it, it, that was it. Was good the way they did it, right? Like it. It happened. Yeah. It was quick, and I mean, I think. Basically, I think they were able to convey without it being too cliche. Um, And because what it really became more about was like, oh, okay, we're understanding. We're getting more history. We get that flashback. We also get um, Danvers telling Petey that her the history of her and navarro which we didn't know and we assumed that they had kind of broke she had been sent away because of the annie case but actually it was a different case right and yes. so that that was super interesting too um but did you was there anything in that in the birthing scene or anything else that you noticed or wanted to make note of just navarro the way she went from cop to almost motherly yeah by taking her hat off getting the hot water kind of she like you could tell she never really witnessed a birth before i i mean i don't think she did um but she really like seemed very like one of them yeah and it was interesting and i want to ask you and i think i know the answer but it's something really simple so all that like you know that weird chanting is that it happens again at like the the funeral for the other stillborn baby yes, baby or right. is is that is that in the soundtrack or is that the the women doing that I think and I think it, maybe even at the meeting as well You know what I am so glad that you mentioned see this is why we podcast together solo because 
I thought that that was purposefully ambiguous, that it looked like sometimes you were looking at a woman and she was singing, but then other times they'd cut back and she wasn't. It was almost as if it was a, like an ESP, like a shared, some sort of presence, the song itself, or, you know, the feeling or, or energy or something like that, that was becoming a part of that place. And maybe it's tied into their culture. Um, maybe it, it, maybe, you know, it turns out that it is some sort of song that is a song of either mourning or birth. And I, and you're right. I love the way the connect, that connection, that scene was almost ho- like unnecessary for us. As far as our case goes, why Danvers ended up going there after hearing about it. It was almost that coupled with what happens with her daughter and how she reacts to her and is really it's 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 interesting. It's making a layered character who is somehow a part of this community, though of course she's different genetically, right? Like she's a white lady, right? right? They're indigenous people or whatever tribe they are. There's that, but it's still her yeah, community. Maybe. She lives there. She knows them. She's right. there. She's protecting them. It's her job. So it's like a there's like a guilt thing involved there, but that song coming back, I thought was a beautiful um a kind it of, really sucks great sucked you in yeah. to these scenes and very spiritual and whether or not they were sp- speaking it, singing it, it's in their mind, it's from the God, the spirits above. I, you know, it just it was really effective. And I think that's one of the reasons why I brought it up and probably you were going to bring it up is because the effect it had on the viewer. Um, and, and with Danvers showing up there and then her making Mac and cheese for Susan's daughter, the hairstylist, um, we finally kind of saw finally two moments of Danvers that she does have good in her. <laughs> I mean, she's a cop, she's solving cases, but we've seen a lot of her assholey, uh, moods <laughs> you know for the yeah. most part but it was interesting to see where it wasn't like when she showed up it wasn't like get the hell out of here white woman or you, you don't belong here i mean granted she's the police but they still could have there was I a mean, how many times though, did, that the, that it the was a look gave her but was it shock or was it shock i can't believe you're here yeah, that's true but we accept you yeah. Or was it could be the pain. So, you know, again, but then you get the scene where with with Lee, she she you know, is telling her to wipe it wipe off the markings off her face and it was just it just bothered me. And I know and I mentioned this last week and I just feel and she kind of mentions it to her that she's trying to protect her and doesn't want her to end up you know, a statistic and I think she's trying to shield her from that, but it's also costing Lee to, Leah to, to, to learn about her heritage. You know, so it, it, it was a rough scene uh, to watch. I understood why she's doing it, but just felt she could go about it a different way. But maybe, yeah. you know, that's not her, you know. It's a, okay. So um, Andrea on our Facebook page says, I'm still curious why Danvers is such an a-hole about her stepdaughter wanting to get her tribal markings. 
The only thing I can think of is she doesn't want her stepdaughter to be some kind of target. We saw her softer yes. side with the little girl making mac and cheese and paying her respects. Um, Debbie says, I agree. I feel like she's trying to keep her either from a guilt association type of thing or from any harm that could come from her as a direct result of the markings. I'd much rather see her stop snapping and biting and instead of explaining her frustration. Um, yeah, that's never worked with a child. That's true. Um, and even when she's nice, like something to do with the Christmas tree, like when she got the Christmas tree, it's still super aggressive, right? Like when she was like, we're doing yeah. the fucking Christmas tree. <laughs> I'm cooking dinner. Um, <laughs> now, Francine on our Facebook says, I think Danvers is worried that native women are being killed and she doesn't want her stepdaughter in danger. Plus, she's somewhat racist, which may be true. It may be that she, her opinion I think when you are in a position of power like she is, perhaps, you know, she must have worked hard to get there. Um, she's being judged all the time. Her sexual proclivities are being judged, right, by everyone around her. Like she gets into the, the thing with Hank, you know. Um, mm -hmm. th there, there could be a feeling of why don't these women protect themselves, right? Why aren't they strong like me, right? And the, this is like kind of the spark of where a lot of kind of, I think, racist, uh, whatever it is, homophobic, whatever, whatever ism or whatever person you hate is really just when their life is reflected upon your own and it makes you feel um, vulnerable. And then Danvers realizing, but wait, I'm a woman like them. This I, I have been in vulnerable positions, the things I've had to do. So there becomes this kind of unfair competition, which I think can feed that seed because she obviously, she says she's from Alaska. She's grown up with these different cultures around her, right? I think it's right. a mix of all these things too, where they're going to the um, funeral, whatever you would call it, mourning thing for the baby, right? Mm -hmm. Wake. Was a, is a little bit of guilt because she didn't stop it. It's just how in the very beginning of the show, remember I was talking about last week in the first episode, like twice, she's like, we're never going to figure this out. This is the way this town is as if she's just thrown up her hands. But then again, it's her job to protect these women. And we see through what the, 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 the big rally that Leah goes to was kind of like a rave. It was like a political rave almost, you know, like. Right, I don't yeah. know. It was like it was weird, um, but that the war and when she and of course we're talking about the whole thing when Danvers goes to wash her hands, it's the black water. We've got babies being stillborn, women being killed, oh, yeah. people dying. You can't drink the water. What is going on here? And she is just focused on this case, this crazy case of these five white dudes right older white dudes who were frozen in the snow i think there is some kind of um metaphor there yeah. right like and speaking of the water they were handing out bottled water at that rally and even leah looks at it strange yeah. you notice her look yeah she yep. it's like wait you can get it's either can you get this or 
wow, that's so nice of you. I'm not sure. Or it's what gotten her look this bad. About. Or like, did I drink? It's gotten this bad today? that, yeah. You know? Yeah. It's interesting so too it was because just, yeah. you, you get that what, and then you think about um, the water that's being melted off the dead bodies too. There, that's a that's a connection I feel too. I don't know why that just popped in my head. You're a good pickup on that water bottle solo. Oh, thank you. I was wondering, I was a, is it Poland Spring? Is it Arctic <laughs> Breeze? Or, Poland Spring. I'm obsessed with it. Over. <laughs> So, um, to you straight from Maine. Remember that shit? I always used to think uh, I'd be sitting watching that commercial, be like, Poland, what? But I don't, I don't get it. It's why isn't it Maine Spring anyway? Um, yeah. What'd you think of the, uh, the flashback to the, in the case that separated the Wheeler case? Yeah. The Wheeler, the Wheeler case. case. Okay. I have a lot on this. Okay. So good, I'm glad you good. teed me up. Because not only do I have a mirror image from season one, but I also have a theory. So, so yeah. So Danvers is explaining to Pete why her and Navarro don't see eye to eye, don't like each other. And she mentions the Wheeler case, murder, suicide. She's, you know, explaining it to him. However, in the flashback, when they get to the house, the woman's dead, but Wheeler's still alive. Okay. So you're assuming, wait a minute, it couldn't have been a murder-suicide. It had to have been one of them or someone shooting it, and they covered it up. Yeah. But I will say this, and I have a theory about who shot JR. I mean, not JR's, uh, Wheeler. (laughs) That was an old joke. Um, So this reminds me of, I believe it's episode five of season one, when both Marty and Rust, Cole, are telling the story of they when they went to um, uh, Red Reggie Ledoux, I believe that's I think it's Ledoux or Love Ledoux Reggie Ledoux's house, and you know where the he's cooking meth, and they have the two kids there trapped, and they literally go in, they find him, and and Marty sh- shoots Ledoux in the head because he's seen the two kids locked up and just goes crazy, and they basically. But as they're telling the story, it's like we were going to go back, but then they were shooting at us, you know, and so they were making up their own story of what happened. And then in the flashback, you see McConaughey take like the AK and start firing rounds after both of them are dead because he has to, they have to make it look like their story. And then years later, they're telling the same story. So, it reminded me of this because in the flashback, Wheeler's alive. So it reminded me of that season one telling a story, but it not being real, but covering yes, up. Yes, that's and, and we, memory. And we got, yeah. So we got to believe that someone had to shoot Wheeler since she's talking about it being a murder-suicide. But I think this is where your Hank Hero moment happened. My theory is that Hank shows up and shoots him. And then her and Navarro kind of, they're all like, what you know, I think you got to have one person who's like, whoa, 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 I can't live with. Maybe that's why Navarro's transferred off the case to shut her up. Or, you know, who knows? But I, I that's my crackpot theory that Hank shows up and shoots him. And you're like, really? oh, my God, he actually did something good. Yes, that's my theory. Not Danvers. Not of uh, Navarro that shot him. I think Hank shows up 
in a backup capacity, shoots him, and then some Navarro has a problem with it and why they don't see eye to eye and why the rift between her and uh, Danvers and Liz goes off the rail and they have to transfer her. That's my crackpot theory. Probably wrong, but I was just thinking of a different, cause I, cause to me, I was like, which one of them shot him? One of them had to. And then you were talking about, you think Hank has a hero moment. And I think yeah. that's what it is. So that's my crackpot theory of the week for uh, thinking outside the box. I think uh, Hank shot Wheeler. And you're sticking to it, as Jack used well, to say. Well, until it's proved, yeah, until it's proven wrong, I'm sticking to it. <laughs> well, I like that. That's very interesting, Solo. I do think this could be a multi. I have a, I have a crazier theory. Oh, are you ready for this one? And then I'll tell you <laughs> what uh, Alex from our Facebook page said. But this is my crazy okay, theory. Okay, cool. Okay. I think Danvers shot him. I think he was whistling twist and shout. <laughs> right? That's yeah. the, the triggering song there. And Alex makes note of that uh, as well. But I think the reason why Danvers shot him is because he was the guy who was drunk driving and killed her husband and young son. Oh, that's a good one. That's just, that's look. Do I think that that's really true? No, but it's just a crazy. Hey, I had to share it. I had to share You know what? It. We're both probably wrong, but you know yeah. what? Maybe not. <laughs> it might you be a little know. bit too much. More likely. It might be too much. More likely. Um, uh, Alex says Danvers did it. He thinks Danvers did it, but he also mentions that later on when Navarro's on the ice experiencing like the spooky kind of flashes, which we're now where I guess we every episode we get two or three of those. Um, the subtitles have the lyrics of twist and shout being chanted by the voices she's hearing. Isn't oh, really? Cool? Yeah. So I, I think the way the stories rolled out in the context of the show and the way Danvers tells it, Navarro shot him. But earlier, we are introduced to Navarro in a similar case, remember? And then she cuts the guy's tire, or no, she pours the liquor in his gas tank or milk in his Bailey's, gas tank. Bailey's, baby. Bailey's. Okay. Bailey's. I see it was liquor, no milk. milk, Bailey's. Well, that's that's kind of close, yeah, right? It's a coffee liqueur. Yep. Yeah. Um, and so that's the way she deals with it, which makes you believe. Would she really do that if she already killed a guy? Like, she'd have a different, it would be more visceral. So maybe you're right, Solo. Maybe it's Hank or something, I, or maybe Danvers did it. And this is the reason why I think Hanks did Hanks. Tommy Hanks. Tom Hanks did it everyone there there was a scene at the end of episode two i believe when danvers is at navarro's place and they're unpacking and navarro wants to talk to her about the wheeler case almost apologetic and she's like no no, no don't worry we're not going to go into that we're not going to talk about that so i was trying to dissect that part and be like the the approach there by Navarro yeah. and how mm -hmm. Danvers reacts, what does that tell us? Yeah, yeah. And I'm thinking, to me, it didn't come off as, I'm so sorry I shot him, thank you, or, 
hey, I didn't mean to flip out on you that you shot him. It's almost like there's a cover up. I didn't want to cover up. Hank shot him. I didn't want to do the cover up, but I should have went with you. I'm sorry I didn't. You know, that kind yeah. of deal. I, I just got the sense there. Again, that's just my opinion and what I caught from it. Um, Cause I felt if she was going to bring up the wheeler case and if Navarro shot I, or vice versa, I feel like it would have been a little more, I don't know, but I don't, but we're just learning these characters. So who knows? Um, it's interesting, you know, man. cause yeah, it, but it makes you think it makes you think, you know, so that's why I really love that. Nothing is, it could be cut and dry at the end. We find out, but we don't know. We may never find out who shot him. We may you know, never I hope know. we do. And we did a whole we season, may never find out. Uh, season three of True Detective, which we both loved, that dealt so much with memory and um, regret and make and false right. memories and what you tell yourself to keep living, right? So mm-hmm. there's a story here and and I think that uh, Frankie has something to do with it. Be- oh, Hanky, I mean, not Frankie. Hanky has something to do with it because if I remember correctly, and you know what? I was thinking about before this next episode, I think I'm going to just do like a straight through, like there's only six episodes. So just like watch all three in a row. Like I might just do that at night sometime. Um, yeah. Because at night. Yeah, exactly. Baby. While it's snowing. And while it's snowing. And I won't even be. Do you live a in a country? <laughs> no i live <laughs> i'm really true yeah I, no, you I live, live in a province night country um okay. i would like to go back because i believe or i could maybe even try to bring up i don't want to do it live on the pod or take a break to do it but i be i believe that when we, there is a time there there was something said about hank being demoted and like, yeah, that, I believe so too. Yeah, I believe that, that he, he was and Danvers demoted. switched that she became like the head detective or whatever. What's her, what's her official? Uh, I mean, she, she the sheriff. Is she the sheriff? Is that what they call Oh her? gosh. I don't even know. We're yeah. doing a podcast about it and we don't even know. Yeah. Look at that. Chief. Right? Chief. chief. So she's she, a chief. She the chief. I, you know what, man? I never, you know what? That's a good question. Chief's I'm sorry. I don't... The, the mo- she's in charge, right? She's in ch- Charles is in charge. And, and, so is Hank, and it seemed to be that Hank was in charge. Cause she says something to him like I'm in charge now. Remember Hank or like, this is my case. To, and she says something like that to him. And there, there was a change when it all happened at the same time. You're right. There, there was something that well, didn't happened Ted, at the Ted same time. assigned her, right? Is that his name? Ted? Yeah. Ted, Christopher ass- you're right. Ted assigned her. But that all seemed to have. It's like Ted assigned her very soon. It, we don't know if what happened with Hank happened before, or after, or then if um, the thing with Navarro happened seemed to happen after she was assigned, right? Because well, because Danvers took her off the Annie K case. Yeah. So she had the so- power to do that. So was the wheel? I forget. Was Wheeler after Annie K or before? It has to be after, right? Because that the Wheeler case is how they they parted ways in a sense. Yeah, and that was six years ago, Annie K. So we don't yeah, know so. the exact there. 
that's purposeful. I think that us having to try to figure that out, and even if there's someone listening to us at home who will correct us, and please do. Please do. Please you do. have a correct time, send an email. We, we like that. I love to see that. And I look for stuff like that um, online, and I see conflicting things. And you can go back. I can't, you, know, you can check the old uh, um, TV transcripts. And try to. I'd rather get it right than all for three weeks say the wrong thing. Yeah. So please let us know if we're yeah, wrong. Yeah, we'll look. We'll look. <laughs> di- we'll look deeper into it. But the other thing too is, what does this all matter? Right? Does this? Well, there you go. Have anything? Does this just all more red herring stuff for us? Another kind of B mystery that's related to our characters and perhaps to their motivations and such but not to the overall mystery, right? But could it be because yeah, if yeah. we get Hank was paid off by the Tuttles, um, which we have maybe even a little bit more evidence for after this episode and his behavior, he's just, there's something up with him. Right. There definitely is. And we'll get into that. Um, so you want to get to the... Uh, Let's get to the blue paint, the relationship with Annie Kay and uh, Raymond Clark a little bit. So they they got the evidence from the van and they're they got a, a big circle around it. And Danvers and Navarro are looking at it and they're, you know, it was interesting because they were piecing something together. I'm like, wait a second. This isn't a selfie. Someone took this picture. It's a candid. And then they figure out and then one of them has a stain of that blue tint, the electric blue, uh, not the John Oates song, but well, that's the, a good uh, pickup too. I love yeah. that whole scene where they're putting all the that's a great scene pictures around, right? And it was interesting how first they kind of lined it up and boxed themselves in the middle, then they made it a circle, right? Right, like it was as if they were mimicking. Um, these kind of uh, old spiritual stories and symbols that that we're seeing and stuff, you know, and they didn't mess too much with the weird things. It was mostly with the pictures in the end. Yeah. And and it's funny how, you know, the timeline 2016, because the Ariana Grande or whatever uh, photo shirt, uh, you know, that was a cute touch. Yeah. I kind of like that. And that's the truth. I mean, how many times, if you're going through old photos and you can't remember what year and it's like, well, I was wearing that unbutton my fly shirt that, okay. That was my senior year of high school. <laughs> like, you know, never button my fly. I had of course, unbutton my fly oh, t-shirt. Um, anyway, so they go to Susan's and Susan has some information that she never let Navarro know. And it kind of pissed Navarro off. And that's the Mac and cheese scene. We, we talked about how Danvers, you know, knows that Navarro needs to question Susan. And so she takes the daughter. So there's no distractions. She's very motherly. And I will say this. We're beginning to realize, I know they don't like each other, but Navarro and Danvers are damn good detectives together. You can see it just the way I know they don't like each other and different things, but you can tell the two of them together are a force. And they're going to get to the bottom of something here because I just, I, you, you feel it. You just feel that the two of them, even though they may, you know, collide and whatnot, 
they, you know, like even when she's when she, when Danvers goes ask the question, she's like, I'm not. Navarro's like, I'm not going to play your stupid game. She's like, just humor me, you know, and like, but she has the right answer. Where the young kid is still got something to learn, you know. So, um, so that because I was started thinking, so it looks like they were in love, Annie and and Raymond, but something changed in her, and I like the information how she was having dreams of the spiral symbol. And then when she got it tattooed, Axel, the dreams went away. What did that, did that give you a little chills down that spine of yours? <laughs> uh, it's interesting. <laughs> or is it just it's, the cold? What is that? A protection? Uh, the, is that protecting or is it giving yourself over to something? That's the thing that it made me think of, right? Right. Like, if if this symbol had some kind of power over her is getting it isn't getting a tattoo of it somehow um succumbing to that power right i mean you're marking yourself with it it's like they that owns you now but maybe, well you know how, how how i thought because lund it was drawn on his head maybe that protected him from dying yes but you're right yeah, maybe yeah. maybe but maybe it's the opposite of it because Annie K died with the tattoo on her. But could that protect you from supernatural or could that, you know, but, but not human? I, you know, I don't know. Um, but I found that interesting. That was an interesting piece of information. Why the dream stopped. And to me, that almost says you succumb to it and um, give in. But would, would, would dreams stop? Wouldn't they want to? lead you towards something, you know, maybe Annie's the one who set up the van the way it was. Maybe she, like how Susan said she changed once she started dating Raymond, you know, maybe she went a little crazy with it. You know, we don't know yet who put all that stuff up in the van. Yeah. So I, I just, I, I'm looking forward to seeing where that does lead to. Um, well, we learned a just, lot from uh, the hairdresser. You know, it's funny. My quick little story. My mother-in-law passed away. My, of course, my wife's mom, she would never listen to her daughter, but you know who she listened to her hairdresser. <laughs> so I told my wife, okay, if you want to, if you want your mom to do something, call up the hairdresser, pay her a few bucks, a few check crone and say, tell this to her. <laughs> you would get it done. It's always the hairdresser. They always yeah. they always give great advice. She knew, right. but we found out it was interesting because we had theorized a little bit, and I think it may have been Alex who had mentioned a theory of somehow perhaps Annie was a part of some sort of experiment there or something like that. But now we know basically she went with her friend, right? And she met Raymond. They kind yeah. of they you know they they, they hit, hit it, it off. off. But the other interesting thing is she says that it was Annie who wanted to keep it secret. Yeah. So that I found interesting and she doesn't really expound on that. Um, so I thought that was an interesting point. Why is it that Annie was the one that wanted to keep their relationship secret? She didn't may, may, I, I don't know. Because it seems I mean, maybe not common, but you know, Pete's married 
to a Native American yeah, woman. Yeah, yeah. It seems like it would be, you know, whatever. so it's not like, yeah, so it's not like I thought if it was one sided, we get it. If, you know, it's just not the way to do things. But I got to believe in a small place like Ennis, it's accepted as long as you're good to that person, I would think. I mean, it might be preferred that you stay within, but. It, it to me it doesn't so so that begs the question it maybe not just a you know roman romeo and juliet thing it's it could be something deeper um which leads us that susan dated this guy named oliver who was the engine was an engineer yeah at this at the plant or, or you know the robert salah new york jets facility <laughs> um and and uh so yeah, and then they so guy. that's what leads them Alva Tagak. Yeah, I love I I thought that this setting was super cool. Um I loved how they like the nomads <laughs> like we're going to go out. Oh yeah, the nomads. <laughs> They're just a And the guy of, with the knife yeah. shows is next to the guy like he was cutting an animal or something but it's like okay, it relax, buddy. Very that to me, you know, that to me in this episode, more so a little bit than maybe the last episode, but maybe it's just because we're looking for clues. But this episode did feel very surreal. There were a lot of weird, surreal moments. We haven't even talked about the orange getting thrown back to Navarro when she's in the in the uh, out there in the middle of the snow. Right. I want to talk about that when we kind of coincide with her mom yes okay. so let's just okay. finish up the oliver stuff and then if we want to get to that i got some things i gotta talk to you about <laughs> um yes we'll talk about that in the godfather too probably um yeah but, uh, <laughs> i knew you're gonna bring that up um what was i saying oh i just think all the the ways that they're all interconnected like she was fucking yeah. the guy who worked there. Then, then, then Robert and the way she describes it. And now I'm looking at it. This is something I should be doing the whole time, which is looking at this transcript to the to the show. Was that uh, that he was super crazy about Annie? Like he would became obsessed with her. That's interesting. So yeah, so they go to see Oliver. We go to this nomad camp, which was very surreal, very Mad Max. I absolutely loved it. The whole thing, just North the, Shore. the way it was shot and the way it felt, it was like, what were the guys doing there? It's just, it's like, you know, a TV and film where you just like get to like the hangout and like people are just like there and they're just like hanging out. But the real purpose is to just make the other, make your, make your uh, protagonist uh, scared. Right. And like to give you the sense of like, oh my God, what are all those dudes there? Uh, this it reminded me of a Game of Thrones camp yeah. set up that you stumble <laughs> upon to. Yes, You're like, exactly. who are these dudes? Yeah, like, Is that Ed Sheeran singing day. a song? Exactly. Um, but yes. <laughs> what, so, so Susan leads us to Oliver. And then Navarro goes to see Kavik because he's a bootlegger and he knows people who know people. But we'll get into um, the, the quid pro quo what Navarro has to offer to get him to do it. But for right now, yeah, he, she goes to Kavik to while he's ice fishing. <laughs> and I love it. He's like, Shh. oh, but what and did we learn? What do hand. you think we learned? We didn't talk really much about what Oliver actually said. Yeah, I know. But the she went to ice fish first. 
oh, to get. Oh, that's right. To, that's that's right. why I just wanted to mention that. I didn't okay. want to get into the conversation oh, okay, yet. Okay. okay but cool, yeah, yeah. Cool. She goes to Kavik and, yeah. and that's when she's like, we found Oliver. And, and, and Pete is like, how did you find there's no records on it? And, and she's like, you know, uh, what does she say? Uh, something about, uh, hey, freshman uh, computers. I forget what she said. I had it written down and I can't remember the damn line. My apologies. Um, someone, whoever's listening is like, what the hell? Sometimes blah, 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 blah. anyway, she makes a technology uh, reference. <laughs> so she does it old school. Um, and that's how they then go to Oliver's. At, let's get back to the nomad camp. Like you mentioned, they go to Oliver's and that whole thing. Uh, where he's there with a shotgun, wait, like ready to. <laughs> Man, people love their land, or <laughs> they they want to just shoot people. Want to walk around? Um, yeah. So, what did you think of that scene with Oliver? Because when he found out Lund was dead, that and the team, the guys he used to work with, that really shook him up. And that's when he's like, "Get out! Get out! Don't don't involve me." Um, do you think he's at this nomad camp to, <laughs> because me. he felt something there and he wanted to just get away? Yeah. It I seems, mean, what, it seems that way to me. Yeah. I mean, way. we didn't really learn much, right? Like he just, he learns more from them. Than right. We learned from him. He just, when he finds out that everybody's dead, he freaks out and chases them out of there and then they leave. Which makes me believe right. that for all that setup and us talking about it and the big nomad camp, we are going back there. We are going to, you know, Oliver definitely has more to tell us. Maybe he'll be compelled to do so. Um, I don't know. Maybe Susan will go out and talk to him or something like that, you know. Um, but there's definitely more to that because that, that whole scene left me just feeling like this guy knows a lot more, but we're not going to find out about it right now. He's not ready to talk, which is an interesting thing to write into like a TV show, right? Where we get that whole thing. They get there. It's scary. And then he just kind of freaks out when he finds out everybody's dead, but it seems yeah. like it was something he may have expected. Right. So he, or he's knows. thinking it could have been me if I had stayed there. Oh, um, true. True. The, the quote I was looking for is not everything's on a computer freshman. Okay. Now yeah. I can move on. Yep. Um, but yeah, so that's why again, Axel, another scene that you can't just say, Nope, that's what's happening. There's so many layers to this that you could go a few different directions. You know, I don't think he had, I don't think he had something to do with it. He may know, or he may have foresawn or has a feeling something could have happened. Then when he finds out they're dead, he's like, wait a minute. That, that could have been me there. I, I, you know, so there's a lot of things going on. And he just doesn't want to deal with it or talk about it. And a lot of people don't want to talk about things on this show. Um, they, 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 they're very private and don't want to get into it. And you really have to push to get information out of people uh, in this town. Um, so, yeah, so, out, baby. So, okay. I have a theory and then we can talk about the mom Navarro's mom. She was killed, but the, as she's talking to Kavik, he basically mm -hmm. tells her about her mom uh, and, you know, about how she, her mom was local. They moved to Boston and then they moved back and her mom left one day and was never, never returned. She was killed. They never found the killer. Okay. 
pretty awesome scene, especially to have it over an ice fishing a uh, little bit. I just that was so again, cool, man. I want a little. I want a little ice fishing uh, thing like that, right? I know you do. I was thinking of you. I'm like, I could see me and you fun. do that for an afternoon. We could podcast um, in there. We could podcast in there. A little podcast tent. Yep. Maybe we go to Ennis and just okay. I know we can't go to Ennis. There is no Ennis, but still, there's got to be some. We'll there's something based on it. We'll make there's our own Ennis. Do you know it's True Detective season one? There was a Eunice, ah, town of Eunice. So we have Ennis and Eunice. Mm, anyway, EU. So e. she's awake. At first, I'm thinking it's got to be Annie K. The tongue, everything. What if her mom is the one that's awoken? Navarro's mom, mm. because in the last scene when Lund is going up and Lund's going crazy gets up exorcist style looks like a white walker and she's like hello evangeline your mother says hello she's waiting for you then he like points to her and then he dies yeah i'm thinking she's awake that's what he says navarro's mom you're right he didn't say she's awake he said your mom is waiting for you um yes and i but this i i you know what solo i like that i like that it's um, again, on our old FB, Alex chimes in with a theory that we were talking about too, about the women coming together. We start this episode with a scene of women together yes. helping a woman yep. give birth and the baby is born, stillborn, but their energy, their love, their power together brings it back to life. We have this rebirth thing again, right? It's yep. maybe her mom is a part of this energy and it's all of these indigenous women like um, Ryan said to us in, a, in our in his great um, comment last week. The, the, that that power, that force, whatever I think I call it, the blue queen as opposed to the yellow king enacting revenge on what's happening. And did these guys do something to Annie? That's maybe, maybe it could be separate things, right? Like all of these things can be happening at the same, they don't all have to be interconnected. The water, the mine, the lab, Tuttle running the lab. What were the guys doing at the lab? Annie was connected to the lab. Her tongue is left in the lab, right? It does all lead to somehow a re, like, a revenge play against those guys is, are they the ones that did what they did to her, but maybe it had something really to do with Clark as well. Could it be, have been information who put all that crazy shit in the van in the first place? Clark went nuts. Why did he go nuts like that? Man, we got, did he go nuts after Annie died? Yeah. There's a lot of stuff and he got the tattoo. I mean, but the reason why, I, I turn towards she's awake as Navarro's mom. Let's go back to the search party with the orange. Okay. First of all, why do they leave oranges there? Is that for the dogs? Navarro takes one and then she throws it and it gets thrown back. Yeah. <laughs> Did her mom throw it back? That's why I think her mom threw it back to her, but. I, wh- what did you get out of that? Aside from Godfather references going through your head. Yes. I mean, everybody knows in the Godfather, he picks up the orange on the street. He gets shot. And at the end, when he's in his, in his garden, right? 
it's he he like grabs the orange. He's pretending. He puts it in his mouth. Yeah, just like Lost. It's um. So I looked this up, and there is um. And I may be wrong about this, and please, someone correct me if I'm wrong about this. This was only a cursory Google that I did, but. It seems that Coppola actually invented that, that there's not some long literary um, that orange references death or anything like that. He came up with it himself. Uh, he just wow. he wanted to use that symbol. So he created symbolism. Yeah. yeah. Um, do we carry it into true detective? Could it mean Navarro it, but dies or could it be a rebirth in the in the sense that? I I like something you pointed out the way she, she so quickly changed from cop to human woman and go and helping the women, right? Like she just dropped mm-hmm. the I'm going to arrest her and everything. She has a great ability to transform and to do and to be both sides, right? Whether it's masculine and feminine, we've seen that in her relationship. Right. Right. Um as well. So I think the idea that her mom could be connected to it, that she is, that maybe that's why she became obsessed with it. There's some connection there or that her mom was killed by this same, if it's a group of men or a force um, that are doing this, that's an interesting idea as well. I don't know that I mean, end up being her mom comes out as a ghost at the end and it's like, motherfuckers, I'm going to kill y'all. Um, but well, I don't, I don't think she'd talk speak like that. But yeah, <laughs> that was my Jersey defying well, her. That All was a Jersey, uh, the Jersey Devil, the female Jersey Devil. from my neighborhood. Um, yeah, <laughs> but uh, I I, I think more so that she's connected to that same energy, right, or that same um, maybe group of women who were she is one of the forgotten, one of the missing, right. She died. They never figured out who did it. They never found the person. And that's the same story we're following now. Yeah. So why did the, the hillbillies dro- drop those oranges? Why did Navarro pick one up? You assume for a snack, but it, it just was weird. I, I, this seems to be like, I don't know. She like picked up the, she was the only one that we saw pick up an orange. Yeah. Why did they drop them there? Is that to protect you from something? I, you know, that's, that's my main. And if anyone has any thoughts, please post on our Facebook page, shoot us an email. Um, you know, I just, I, I'm still wondering, and I'm, hopefully we'll find out, but and why does she throw it? What's the purpose? Does she know something we don't know? So that that's the questions that what, get did raised. that even happen, right? Too that's another. Did that question. even happen? Did that even happen? You know, it's just like the same thing as um, the vision of uh, what seemed to be Danvers' kid. Now, in the when she hits her head and is having like a dream or a callback or something, there's a little child that yeah. looks to be medium skin and i i didn't get it do you see oh, what so it said in the transcripts like i think it was danvers kid no is danvers is, isn't danvers kid oh is she is the danvers kid. kid no i i, I get it you can oh, yell okay, more i'm sorry <laughs> i'm just excited. no 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 but 
but I, okay, I, I assume the kid was white. Oh, okay. From the flashback scene, Holden. That's why, you know, it, you know, it could be different, especially was, with kids. You know, yeah, he seemed to be mixed. Race. Was he mixed? Yeah, it was. Okay, yeah, if he was mixed, then it definitely well could be. Yeah, because his father kid. was Leah's. Father. I mean, it had the polar bear. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, even her father, Leah's father, didn't look completely. He looks a lot white in that scene. You know, a lot more white to me. But well, again, but you know what the thing is, is that people you you sometimes you never know, right? I think you can have two darker skin people. Oh, totally, that, you know, totally. Like people are born. Yeah, it, it's not. I don't think it's really safe to. You never know, but yeah, I think that's, because of the story, yeah. that's the kid that we're connected to, and and um, and the polar bear. We're assuming, yeah, yeah like that that would voice. make sense to me. Yeah, it 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 made sense to me. I just. Because it's not like in your face, this color, it, 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 you, I, don't, I guess I don't have, like, I'm not, conv- you know, I'm open to, it could be someone else, but um, yeah, I, I, I could be absolutely wrong. And it could be uh, Danvers' son because she sees another vision of, was, is it a kid as well in the distance? Is it around the same time? Yeah. That she one hits was, her head? Yeah. That was hard to tell, but I think so. Okay, so it could be the same in both visions there. I think we just have you know, a theme here of both of them. Seeing dead people. <laughs> ex- well, experiencing these flashes, right? Like going back to Danvers' yeah. flash that she had when she was walking up after the accident in the middle of the street there, that drunk kid. Um, I, I, you know, And I think that's the thinning too, right? Like what's – and are people sharing each other's – that's when that's like kind of more of a confirmation of it, either a shared delusion or it's reality, right? Because you, if you have a dream solo, like if you have a dream about an orange and then the next day I'm like, oh my God, I had a dream about an orange, right? But mm-hmm. if, if I start having details in my dream that before you even say like, you know, a kid had, there was a number five written on it and Danny gave it to me. And then you're like, holy shit, that's the same thing that happened to me. Then you have like, you have the shared kind of delusions. Maybe we're both in the country, you know? I think we are. The the kid says, tell my mommy. That's what the kids, I found the part of it. Okay. Uh, Okay. Tell my mommy. Yeah. She's in there. It's light music playing, twist and shout, twist and shout. Child giggles, mm-hmm. a loud whack, a gasp. Then a child whispers, tell my mommy. And then the phone rings and she picks up the phone and she wakes up. Um, mm. And that's when she finds out about her sister. What a beautiful shot that was of them being. Oh, my that gosh. Boat. Wow. It was crazy. Yeah. Oh, God. Uh, that That could not. If that was. That I don't, maybe that was real. I would like to find that out if that because that or if they just came up with that. That's really interesting too, because it's symbolic as well. It's like you know this crashed boat in the middle of the freaking a lot of great visuals. Even when she's walking, even when she you know the beginning scene, even at the flashback, driving away from the lighted up 
part of the city or a factory or something and driving around that shot, her walking away from um, Kavik's uh, fishing tent or whatever. Um, you know, like just the visuals with certain lights going up to the nomad camp. I mean, I'd love the, it, it's insane how good the show looks. Oh my God. The coloring and everything just is fantastic. Um, um, oh, I wanted to mention something. There is an allusion yeah. to Pete and Danvers fucking. And also later, Dan, uh, Pete says to his wife, are you jealous of Danvers? And she's like, don't be ridiculous. But it's like the Mrs. Robinson well, thing. Yeah. <laughs> Hank calls her. And then, of course, his kid. he's like, who's Miss, who's Mrs. Robinson? Yeah. Like, are we... Uh, she sleep she didn't sleep with Pete. Come I on. Mean, I know I, she slept with everyone. I don't know. I mean oh, you know, I, could I, be. I, I, that, I would think that that would it seems to me that he had always could she known him before? I mean, how old is Pete look to be? He could be as old as thirty. I don't five. know. Okay. Uh, so maybe, uh, I mean man, it could be thirty. I mean, I would, it could be young thirty. I mean, it gets dark out there, Solo. You know what I'm saying? You get lonely. <laughs> uh, well, mean, she's on Tinder. so Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hopefully it was before um, he was her, uh, she was his superior. Um, but she's doing that yeah. anyway with, with uh, Christopher Eccleston. Yeah. Uh, you know, one thing I noticed, too, when they're, when Navarro and Danvers are in the car and they're, they're going back and forth and Danvers is really making fun of Navarro and like, yeah. Oh, what do you do in your spare time? I watch Netflix. No, what really do you do? I pray. And she's like, <laughs> really? And she goes, what do you, you know? He's like, no, I, I listen. She doesn't actually, who do you pray to? Or what do you say? Well, I listen. And that got Danvers to shut up, which was, I thought was interesting. It is. It, it is. She it's- went quiet and got almost like, like almost like a shared thing. Wait, you two or that's interesting. You know, she's fighting. So that, it, isn't it, she solo? What's that? Danvers is fighting any. She keeps, she talks about spirituality too, like that. Hocus pocus mumbo jumbo. Yeah. Chup- you know? uh, Chupa Lupa. Yeah. Chupa Lupa. <laughs> Chupa Lupa. <laughs> that um, was pretty funny. She's fighting against that. And I think that kind of surprises her because I think that that's an interesting yeah. I think a lot of people who are um, uh, critical of religion, and I may be one of them, um, often th- think of it in terms of the person like asking for God something or God's going to give me money, God's going to make me rich, or God's going to do – when you hear someone say, no, actually, I it's the other way around, right? Like I listen. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's interesting too, because it's kind of a call back to ask the right question. It's another way of reframing it um, and thinking about things from the other way. And it, it, it it's almost a kind of, it's a little bit like a Zen Cohen or something like where it just kind of opens her mind. I thought that was a really great delivery too. It wasn't overdone. Um, I like that part a lot too, Solo. I think that has to do with, and maybe that's what made her go later. I almost feel like that's kind of what made her go to the, uh, to see the women, to, to go to the, uh, wake 
Like ah, listen to the people the, around you, you know, listen, listen, you know, take it in. Don't always have to be the one barking orders yeah. or asking questions. Trying Just take it in, yep. take it in and see what's around you. Look uh, up, you know, and that's the thing. I mean, especially in a case like this, you really have to take it all in. You can't just be, you know, narrow minded and think, okay, this person did it. You know, you have to open yourself up to what's around you in certain circumstances. And I think her going there, really, she did that. And for once she, what she didn't like avoid the culture or, you know, she went there and hopefully that'll help her, you know, because, you know, she, she's definitely pulled in so many directions, wearing so many hats. She's her defense mechanism is to be an asshole and to, you know, and go that way about it instead of nurturing. She's think she's protecting, but the way she does it, I mean, the way she treats her stepdaughter, I mean, we, we talked about it, but it's just, it's pretty rough. And she just needs some guidance yeah, and some love, fear. and you know, it's and it's fear. like, it's very it's fear. fear. You're right. So she's very fear based. It seems doesn't want to admit it. And then when we get some quiet moments, it's like she's a shark and she has to keep on moving because if she's left alone with her yeah. own thoughts, yeah. she's not going to be happy or she might go nuts or feel really bad about herself and, and, you know, or well, that's or a great point. Axel. Try to change. That's a great point because when she's on her alone time and why, you know, why does she ask Navarro, what do you do in your spare time? She's trying to, you know, put a tree together, cook, but she, then she's at the desk. She's listening to white noise. Yeah. Think, right. Yep. Yep. So it's like, she's trying to keep her mind occupied all the time, maybe because maybe she heard things or she sees, sees things and she doesn't want to listen or she wants to avoid listening. She's grieving still from the loss of her son yeah. and her husband. And she doesn't want to admit to herself that Correct. in some way, her son's spirit or something if she admits to believing in this supernatural, then it could be somehow a pathway back to her son. And I think she has to have that closed off. She doesn't want to feel that pain. Her son is dead. She must move on to the next case, you know, right. and, and to admit that to herself, that, that I think is going to be a turning point because we do have a little bit of a Mulder Scully thing going on here, right? Um, and I think Navarro is really more of the Scully. Uh, I mean, more of the Molder, and Danvers yeah. is more of the Scully. And she doesn't want to open up to it and admit that it could be real. Um, Bill on the Facebook page going in, going to the end with Lund, he says he was definitely channeling something. And then he had a good conversation with Alex and and. Andrea, I like Andrea better than Andrea, who I'm going to say it, Andrea, where they kind of talk about maybe like it's coming through the kid, right? Like something is trying the, 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 the good force, or maybe the, maybe there's a good force trying to come through the kid to communicate to Danvers and Navarro about what's going on. And it's coming through the, through Lund as well. Maybe it could somehow be the same force, you know, that's mm. trying to communicate to them. And it, like the kid is really dead. The kid's dead, but it's using this, this entity or whatever is using this powerful uh, vision 
to communicate to them. I think that's kind of interesting. That's well, very interesting. It has a lot to do with motherhood and loss. And it, it's a, this show, three episodes in, we're getting pretty deep, Solo. I know, right? <laughs> the next time I'm in your truck, we're going to be uh, going back and forth. But yeah, no. Um, and, you know, the thing about fear and fright and how uh, Pete's cousin, Vince, the veteran, veterinarian, um, says that, and you know, he believes the bodies died before they froze to death. They're yeah. like scared. Yes. You know, they were frightened and then died. Now, do we know when the caribou jump off in the first scene mm-hmm. into a mass suicide, do we know, was that Vince or was that Oliver seeing that? Or was that a random person? Cause Vince does mention the caribou. Like he saw a caribou. I think, uh, I don't know if he saw it while he was taking care of one or, you know, I don't know if we know, I'd have to go back and see. No, it was some I'm not much sure. older indigenous. Was it, it was, it was an old indigenous. Yeah. yeah. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. And I don't think we've um, seen that dude again. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, yeah, this is why we get, we'll get into a rewatch. There's a lot, a lot of little, th- I don't think we've seen that. Yeah. Uh, yeah those again. Little, yeah. Um, but if we have, let us know. Yeah, uh, what, what were you talking about before you started talking about that? You were you were hitting upon. Oh, oh, when they're talking about how they died before and when he brings his cut. First of all, I think it was really yeah, yeah, hilarious yeah. when he's like, get my cousin, the veterinarian. That is kind of things like that always make me laugh because that is always like, I mean, if you see like in better call Saul or like so many different stories where like the guy gets shot and they go to the vet, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like we can't have the cops well, yeah, track yeah. it or like, you know, yeah. so it's kind of funny <laughs> that they get the vet to come and look like on the sly. So they don't have to send the bodies, uh, send the bodies out, which I think would be kind of funny to see how they're going to do it now or, but that actually, what does that tell us? Right. That they, died before and then they were posed like that so if they didn't die of they didn't freeze to death there right what that's even crazier right so i just think like they kind of skipped over that but i just think that that's an interesting i I don't know what else that says too i'm not a csi person Um, well it could be that they were dressed what walked outside, they heard something and it freaked them out and they died of fright. And then someone took their clothes off and folded them. Maybe. I don't know. I wonder if you we're know? ever going to see it. I, I don't know. I feel like at the end, we only have, I don't know. we're halfway through this thing. BTW. Yeah. Right. Like, I mean, gosh. Um, all right. Speaking of halfway through, let's hit a few emails. Um, all right. Here we go. From our friend Hans Peter. And Felucia, if that's the way you pronounce it, baby Felucia from Denmark. Hey, guys, really love your podcast. I listen to it when walking my baby daughter in her stroller. That is awesome. I remember walking my son <laughs> in a stroller listening to many a podcast. I agree with a lot of this stuff already said, and especially regarding some big ancient power in the ice. If we look at the very first scene, episode one, the native hunter is just about to shoot a reindeer when the sun sets and the whole herd run run away and literally jump off a cliff just as the sun set. And of course, the first quote 
For we do not know what beast the night dreams when its hours grow too long for even God to be awake. Keep up the good work. Mm. Cheers, Hans Peter. Yeah. Thanks, well, we, Hans. We've been talking about that. And that quote is is interesting. The hours grew too long for even God to be awake. This is a different place. Now, one this makes me think. My wife noticed, and I listened on the Ringer podcast, Joanna Robinson noticed, and I noticed that when Danvers and Navarro were driving in the car, there was a bit of light peeking out. Did you see that in the distance? It was Oh, no, I didn't catch that. Yeah, it was almost as if it was sunset or sunrise, and I looked it up. There's varying, I don't think it's ever, I don't think it was specifically stated in the show. We're going to have exactly this number of days. It, but it was said like, it's quite a while. So the sun may come up. It just may come up every like seven to 10 days. It might not be like, because there are places, there's an actual town in Alaska where the sun sets for 67 days. Uh, we know that where where this uh, Ennis is located, I guess, 150 miles from, um, what is it like uh, the Arctic, the Arctic, Arctic Circle, Circle or something? Or... Yeah. yeah. But I've been I was trying to look that up to find out exactly how many days the sun would be set. But it's almost like a false sunrise because it didn't. It was look like it was coming up, but then the next scene, it was totally dark. Hmm. So I don't or know. Maybe just whether peeks not, through yeah, in certain but, spots. But see, that's the weird thing too, because I, I it looked to me as if they were shooting on a green screen. So the decision mm. has to be made what you project. The fucking show is called Night Country. There, that has yeah. to be purposeful. And they were the conversation uh, that they were having. That was when they were talking about. Ah, that was when they were having a conversation about praying, I believe. So mm. it, is that a signal to listen that, the, that maybe the sun is coming up a little bit during this conversation for some reason, or it could be, I mean, honestly, you never know. It could have been a production fuck up or it's just, it's interesting. Hmm. Very, very interesting. Um, we have an email from our friend. Brett, Annie Kay had dreams in high school about the crooked spiral. Then the dreams stopped when she got the tattoo. Or so she said, perhaps she realized her life purpose and her need to find the source of these dreams and this energy, which she felt coming from the ground. This drove her to regularly trespass into the mines, one time being arrested for it. When she learned her hairdresser friend had appointments at the Talal station, she insisted on coming along for a visit. She hit it off with Clark, a quiet dude with no love life, who unsurprisingly became crazy about her. She probably seduced him to get to get inside info on their lab results from chilling into the ground. If Clark found out their relationship was a sham, it would be a motive to attack her. Oh, I'm not laughing anymore. In the video on her <laughs> phone, she finally found something. We didn't talk about the video on the phone solo. 
Well, we're saying that for last. Yeah, she appeared. Or to, let's save it for right now. Let's do it. BTK. She appeared to be underground in a place with slimy walls. She, you're absolutely right, Brett. It looked like she was um, like underneath. Like sometimes, if you watch National Geographic, people you can go. You uh, there's actually caverns that when ice melts, like that can be created underneath. Um, what are those big mm. things called? Solo. The polar ice cap things? Caves? No. The polar like, ice cap things? Yeah, what are they? Saber tooth tigers? I don't I don't know. No. <laughs> the big thing pieces of ice. I love uh, the big thing glaciers. Glaciers. There you go. Glaciers. Oh, I didn't know you were going for glaciers. <laughs> I, thought, I thought it was something secret. Um she appeared to be underground in a place with slimy walls, perhaps organic, like it was coated with a microorganism. Her scream sounded like she was attacked or chased by a creature. He's still on this Kavik thing, oh man. Kavik trained dogs. Navarro oh, joked no. that he would be eaten by one after one snapped at him in episode two. Perhaps a dog chased Annie out of the minor underground area where she was attacked by Clark. Following her death, Clark had possession of her phone and her tongue. All right. Are you ready for more from Brett? Oh, there's more. Yeah. What do you have to say about that, Solo, about this part? Um, not sure. I, I, like, I like where Brett's going. I like the idea... I like where everyone's going because I don't have any freaking answers. So I just anything think could be right. Annie just seems to be like a superhero. Like she's she, she's going, she's protesting minds. She's birthing babies. She's finding out what happened, where the water's she's, coming bad. You she's know? the Forrest Gump of Venice, Alaska. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. Um, all right, we'll continue. Brett continues. Hank was involved. Hank facilitated Annie's death somehow, which is why he covered for Clark by burying the lead from the anonymous call from the hairdresser. Aha! Good one. I love when Brett mentions shit we forgot to mention. Now that the case has been reopened and Clark is on the loose, Hank wants to hunt him down to silence him. When Hank was instructing his hillbilly friends, he intentionally left out the keep him alive part. That's true. That was a little suspicious. He did. And and that was mentioned a lot. Get his hillbilly friends out of here. Why is he bringing these people? Like, what's up with that? Hank is connected to a bunch of guys with guns that can hurt people, right? Interesting. Opening credits. For the first three... Oh, I forgot. I wanted to mention this. I kept on forgetting. For the first three episodes, the opening credits have ended on a different image. But I, I mentioned this first episode. In episode one, it was a lounge at Talal Station. In episode two, it was Annie and Clark's trailer. In episode three, it was the fishing shed. How are they all connected? Are these all places that Annie Kay has been? If so, it could be a clue that Kavik knew Annie and maybe even hooked up in the fishing shed. Oh my God. He's got more. (laughs) Oh my God. I love it. Listen to true detective live. He's going down the Kavik. Okay. He says Kavik has a network. What does Oliver Tagak know? Oliver seemed immediately distrusting of Danvers and Navarro. Perhaps he had been betrayed by his colleagues and lived in fear. He was hired as an equipment engineer, but there is no record of him. Maybe he was hired off the books to serve as a test subject in the experiment, and he was able to escape. 
Upon learning of the scientist's death, he seems like he was about to open up to Navarro until he heard Lund was still alive. He does mention Lund specifically. And then he immediately threatened the cops into leaving his house as if he fears for his life if Lund is still alive. Woo. Hmm. Brett. One more complaint. I thought I was ready to accept more supernatural. Wait, wait, Brett's still, email's still going? Yeah. I thought I was ready to accept more supernatural elements into my favorite crime drama, but I was wrong. When a dilapidated Dr. Lund sat up to raspily whisper to Navarro about her dead mother, I thought I was watching another Walking Dead spinoff. Uh-oh. There are fewer and fewer prestige TV shows where I don't have to worry about a zombie or vampire or ghost or monster showing up to cause a fuss. The real world is governed by the laws of physics and the wills of sinful humans is scary. A spirit world zombie is not. I will remain open-minded, but I really hope that Danvers is right when she says that everything that seems crazy has a real-world explanation. Navarro could very well be experiencing hallucinations and other symptoms of the same genetic condition her sister and mother have. The whole town, in fact, could be afflicted with the disease from the tainted drinking water. Love, Brett. I don't. I don't know if I want to. I, I don't want it to be the tainted drinking water and why everyone's hallucinating. No, I don't, I don't think. That. And and I, and by the way, I don't think we're ever going to find out. I think that I you know. I don't, I, I, I know that it's been theorized, but it just seems too easy. It just seems like, I don't know. I just don't, I guess I, I just don't want that to be the case. Cause then we watch six episodes and we don't know what was real and what was not. And uh, I don't know. I just hope, I don't think they're going to go there, but what the hell do I know? Um, yeah, so that that video of Annie Kay that you know um, that Pete was able to crack because he's under thirty and has friends, um, very Blair Witch, <laughs> very, very Blair, very Blair very. Witch. And yeah. when she gets grabbed, it does seem like it, it it's by some or at least a creature sound. It was mm-hmm. it comes off that way, mm-hmm. and they. You know, and then they pull away and then her screams are still there, even though we're not at the cell phone, we're going down the hallway. So it's another, another manipulation of the soundtrack where they're hearing it from the, from the cell phone, but then we hear it far away from the cell phone, very loud. Um, interesting. I will say this one. When I first watched the episode, I was like, okay, it was okay. When I rewatched it, it turned to fantastic for me. I like it. What do you think about that? Yeah, it's just, you know, no, but I was just watching it and I'm like, okay, this is good. Solo, not only do we, listen, I feel bad because we're an hour and a half into this podcast and every time I look up, I realize... We got some great feedback from even Bill Kava, from Francine, more stuff. It's very deep. There's a lot going on, but I think we're all on the same kind of page. We're listening to the show. We're picking up details. Uh, The more we think about it, if you rewatch, you pick up more details. 
It's very well written. It's very deep. You could see this yeah. doesn't, I mean, if you think about it now, we're three episodes in, we asked ourselves the question in the beginning, you know, how closely is this? Did they, did they kind of retcon true detective stuff into it? We know it was originally a different story. Um, but I mean, this could have definitely stood alone without the true detective moniker, right? If this, yeah. if this was called night country and they were, there was no true detective at all and it didn't, and they used a different name instead of Tuttle or the different symbol or something. It's just, um, it, it's really, there's a lot going on. Uh, and, but I think we're on the right, we're at right track here. Something going on. Clark and Annie is the relationship at seems to be at the center of this. And what do all these guys have to do with it? Now it seems like um, Lund is dead. He died. So he ain't telling us anything else. No, at least he wasn't like, <laughs> we were worried he was going to be like, it was Raymond Clark. <laughs> and yep, yep. that's who did it. It you was know, Lund. Like, oh, great. I mean, I'm Lund. It, it was Dan, I'm Lund. It Dan, was me. Danvers was fucking Clark, too. He got pissed off, and Annie found out. Um, well, we got a, we, we covered a lot. We've got a, a Solo's losing his voice here. He needs to take a drink. I'm losing my voice. He needs I got a I got vodka. No, 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 no drink. It's no. December 28th. All right, baby. Super Bowl's coming. Um, anyway. I don't know why I slipped that in. It just makes me think of drinking when I think of the Super Bowl. <laughs> Shit. I know, right? This has been a great episode. Thank you, everyone, for all your amazing feedback. We really appreciate it. If we didn't get to it um, or read it on the air, I did read all of it, so it informed what I said. We're having a lot of fun. Give us a shout-out on the uh, socials. Spread the word subscribe give us a review become a patron patreon.com slash dvr i mean we're only three weeks into this really only two weeks if you think about it and um because that's the truth it's really only been two weeks um but i've been loving it and i love always of course being able to podcast with you my friend heath solo hank solo oh thank you axel thank you for everyone for downloading listening and and chiming in uh, it's much appreciated it makes it a lot more fun i think brett might be on to something with kavik he seems like such a nice guy and everything but that's that's the ones you got to watch out for <laughs> but you know what what else axel you have to watch out for what's that? axel what's that well I, I think people call your dad tell him to get rid of his hillbilly friends that's all i'm gonna say <laughs> I will do that. I will do that. All right. Thank you for listening, everyone. We also, we got a real nice post from Lori. You know, um, I hope everyone enjoyed the pod that Andy and I did last week. We'll see. Maybe if uh, I get bored and decide to rewatch again and get more feedback, we'll do another episode. But Andy and I did about hey. 40 minutes of... Uh, yeah, Brian and Lori. Job Ando was good to hear Ando talk a little yeah, TD. That was fun. NC, and also it exposes new listeners to us just talking about TV and film. Which also, by the way, this Saturday we're recording 
Our best TV of 2023 episode. We have lists. We have me, Solo, Gina, Jenny. Um, I think Mike is going to come. Ando's going to come. So we got six people. Who knows? Maybe Bubbles show up. Maybe we'll get someone else in there, too. That's going to be a long one, but that's going to be fun. So just subscribe. Bubba won't show up. He's probably podcast about Mrs. Maisel or whatever. Yeah, The Crown or some shit. Yeah, Bubba. Um, but uh, yeah, subscribe you, to Daily DVR if uh, you're on the True Detective feed. We do have a feed that has all our podcasts. It's Daily DVR, even though it's not daily. It used to be back in the day. Maybe one day it will be again. But until then, peace out, everybody. <laughs>